0: Welcome to the Last Lap Podcast. Welcome to the Last
1: Lap Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I am your host as always, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me is my co-host with the most, Sean Gray.
2: Hello.
1: How are we all doing, Sean?
2: Um, it's been a week since Baku, so I think I've just about had time to to take it all in. <laughs> <laughs> shall I? Shall I'm I... very tentative. I feel like <laughs> this is going to be possibly the most, I don't know what's the right way to describe it, the most...
1: Content-filled?
2: Yeah, content, content-filled show. That's a good phrase. I like that. <laughs> Yes, it was a lot. We might have to, you know, we might have to do a, a double episode given how much went <laughs> on last week. But I think we could probably spend an hour alone talking about Sebastian and Lewis's Well shall I,
1: shall I soothe your your nerves somewhat with a calming poem to to begin? Indeed, the show <clears throat> on the track at Azerbaijan, a car can come to great harm where the class of the driver. Shows in flying carbon fiber. Count on Jolian to still buy the farm.
2: <laughs> Poor Julian, it's not getting any easier for him, is
0: it? <laughs> it certainly
1: <laughs> certainly isn't. Especially after his um uh his little did you catch this his little spat with uh, uh, one of the BBC interviewers.
2: Um I don't think I've seen that. Like, <laughs> yeah, in, so you... in, in all
1: of the and all of the that. <laughs> it was before the race really and um uh oh, he was being in, yeah yeah and in the build up to it he was being interviewed by the bbc and they they asked him questions about his future in bits and pieces and you know um you know what what does he see himself doing and he says i think he said something like like hopefully not one of these silly little interviews which i don't <laughs> think has endeared him to the media in <laughs> The media paddock in Formula One.
2: That's not really going to help him, is it? When (laughs) he's already got massive pressure on his shoulders. All he needs now is angry journalists tweeting about how he should be replaced and things like that because he's upset them. You know, he's not doing himself any favours there, but (laughs) hey-ho.
1: Yes. So, uh, Baku, I'd have to say, we we weren't really looking forward to this one after last year, were we? Um...
2: Um. Yeah, yeah, no. I suppose that's probably fair. I think it was a bit poor last year, but at the end of the day, when you've got close, close walls like that, it's always going to be potential for a bit of carnage. It's a bit like, um, you know, like at Albert Park uh, and Canada, when you've got high speeds in certain sectors of the track combined with close walls. All it takes is one little tiny bump and as your poem alluded to uh, a bit of chaos and carnage everywhere in terms of debris and, and, and things. So yeah, we we're a bit disappointed last year, but can't, can't argue with what we were served up this year. Not at all.
1: Well, you know, it it is one of those things, isn't it? That, um, you know, you, you, you say, you look at <clears throat> what the circuit has to offer and it's a, uh, it's not the world's most well designed circuit, shall we say, really. It's, um, very very long straights uh and then a twisty section that nobody can do anything whilst they're in the middle of it it's uh yep it's kind of drag racing and then can you steer your drag through you know a few twisty corners uh it shouldn't really lend itself to high octane a- action and i i think in a, in a way if if it hadn't b- been for how crazy this race is, it probably wouldn't have. I don't think we'd have. You know, I think if all the cars had been running by the end of the race, or nearly all of the cars, then I, I think you'd have found a kind of strung out people where you expect to find them kind of race.
2: Yeah, you, that is probably an argument for that.
1: That's um, probably fair. But it.
2: it but it, but from it, an it, early point in the weekend yeah there didn't seem to be any grip at all in practice and qualifying people seemed to be sliding off
1: yeah, turn uh, two, they turn two spinning, spinning to be it re- turning into a parking lot practically <laughs> if they?
2: everybody everybody was struggling on grip so what you ended up having there was a high a sp- track with high speed close barriers and no grip so I went into the weekend not necessarily thinking it was going to be the best Grand Prix in the world, but as soon as I watched a bit of practice and qualifying, I thought we're good to end up with three or four on the wall here, and that could create anything. And and then and that's what we that's what we got. So I actually woke up on the Sunday having watched watched um, practice and qualifying, feel, and then and also watched the GP or the F two as it's called now. I watched the F two, and if anybody watched the F two, yeah, and. Nobody in their right mind would have possibly said the Formula One race could be as crazy as the F two race, and, no. and it was because <laughs> the F two race itself was absolute carnage as well. And as you it kind was of get that. Before, right? You kind of get that with them, obviously, as inexperienced drivers and whatnot, and that's that's understandable. So you would expect the Formula One guys to be a have bit less. Expensive. Well, perhaps, but either way, I'd watched that and I'd watched a bit of practice, and I seen they were struggling for grip, and I thought. I woke up on Sunday thinking this might not be bad. Actually, I was quite eagerly anticipating it, and obviously, in the end, we got we got what we wanted in that sense. So, where do you begin with a with a post race analysis?
1: Well, I guess you start. The very first thing was um, Kvyat going off and then scything up back onto the track in front of signs, which I actually felt I thought was fine. I don't I don't really know. Do you know what I mean? I don't really know what signs expected Kvyat to do. Just you know, yeah, sort of park um, it and wait for the whole train to go by, and then he was going to join the track. I generally you know I
2: mean? subscribe he, to the same school of thought as yourself. There, yeah, I would, I would he was with off that. the track.
1: He, he maintained the momentum as best as he could, and he came on as close to the you know the wall as he dared to get I, back onto the track.
2: I would cautiously suggest that if that was any other driver other than his teammate, we probably wouldn't have heard anything about it. But just because it was the same team we got played the radio message of Carlos saying, oh, what's Danny doing? Because, you know, that's my teammate and he was awfully close to me there. Whereas if he came on in front of, I don't know, a Sauber or something, I I, I doubt we'd have maybe heard that much about it. I don't think, I don't know. Maybe we would have. I'm just playing devil's advocate a little, but I don't think it was anything to be too worried about. It was first corner. There was no grip. These things happen.
1: Speaking of first corner, I guess where it really starts is um bottas and kimmy having a little um resume of their um <laughs> the love fest.
2: Uh, the way these finished drivers seem to magnetize towards each other on the track is 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 excellent um how many times is that they've come together now <laughs> bit, it must,
1: about five or six must. yeah
2: be. We're, i'm gonna start needing two hands to count i think at least you know like you say above five um what did you make of that then? If you've, if we've kind of decided that the Toro Rosso incident was more or less a racing incident,
1: yeah, I've I've started to feel like when we see people dive up the inside across the curb, then they lose control and they hit people. I yep. feel like we're seeing far too often, and we we see it again later we're on in the us. race. Yep. Um, with the so... um with the Force Indias, uh, and it's the same thing. It's somebody goes well, there is technically space for me to go up the side but basically half of my car is going to be over the top of a curb um, wanting to push me from the inside of the curb to the outside where somebody is legitimately having their car. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I don't want to be one of those people that makes it sound like, Oh, I'm not anti you, you know uh, you stop being a racer when you stop going for the gap. But I think, you know, there's got to be a little bit of judiciousness here about saying, if you go for that move, you know, you're going to be spat across the track um into somebody who was you know technically ahead of you going into the corner but was taking the outside you know the outside line for whatever reason um i just i felt both incidents were just like far too kind of i hope this move comes off and so you
2: that, you you're happy to sort of lay most of the blame towards Valtteri here then
1: in both incidents if we if we take the the um, Force India one as well. I'm afraid I have to say, um, you know, it was off going up the inside, wasn't it? Yeah. That that Realistically, in both cases, it was just like, well, you put your car in a place and just sort of waited to see, you kind of rolled the dice to see what the outcome is. And I I think everyone should be a little bit better than that. Uh,
2: Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. As you're playing a little bit Russian roulette, you know, the curve is there for a reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: I mean, I'm inclined to sort of take your opinion on that. If it's
1: rave, in that way that means that when you hit it, you, you bounce off of it and you don't have control. It's designed to tell you not to go over it. If it's a flat curb, then, you know, kind of what they ended up doing to turn eight, where they sort of took it all out and then just said, well, you're supposed to go around it. Um, and it didn't really matter if people ran their their left wheels over it as they went through. Then, okay, well, that's, that's the choice, isn't it? The, the race organizers have des- decided that, um, you know, you putting your wheels on it doesn't shouldn't affect how you're driving but if they put a big curb on it you shouldn't really be going over it um i I understand that the cars will every now and again go over it because they're going so fast and stuff and they're trying to judge these pinpoint precision things sometimes you're going to take more more curb at you know uh 100 miles an hour than you than you mean to as you're flicking it through a uh a chicane or, or around the apex or something but but these all felt like it was just like there is just about a car's width if I slide almost entirely over the curb, let's you know, let's see how this works out. Maybe yep. maybe I'll be all right. Fair enough.
2: And they both ended up having to come in, didn't they? And then they both ended up. Yep. What were they? Were they both a lap down?
1: Yes, I think so.
2: I'm just going to quickly double check cause I know Bottas was definitely a lap down. I'm...
1: Oh no, wait, no, Kimmy wasn't. I think he ended up being about sort of sort of sixth or seventh, didn't he, or something like that? I think went to. I just want well, to double check. Because... Yeah, because he didn't get. Because Puncher was later on.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was a separate incident, in and in a typically Kimmy-esque bit of a bit of a crazy race for him. But I'm, I'm just double checking if, uh, yeah, Kimmy carried, carried on. on. Yeah, I Bottas had to on. come in. So we're laying the blame at Bottas' door. Bottas the one that was more severely punished with well, the he, damage, he, lost, so. he lost
1: out in that one so it's in a way that's kind of karma served its purpose there but um. yeah so
2: he's ended up a lap down uh comes a new front wing and, and and all that jazz and ends up a lap down and 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 Kimi manages to to carry on so and then up front obviously we've got Lewis who by the way we probably should have mentioned was pretty lightning and qualifying to stick mm. it on pole
1: yeah very impressive uh,
2: know what got when it comes to qualifying i think most people would agree that you know one if there was one lap to, to stick it on pole for your life then lewis is he's he's a you have to nail that one lap is as good as he's probably the best there is so great lap to get it on pole gets away off the line uh sebastian ends up in second after all the the turn one and first lap chaos and perez gets up to three. Third on the Force India, so that's the sort of early standings, and then we get the first safety car. So I'm just trying to remember what was the first safety car for.
1: Was uh, that much going on? At- was, was that Kvyat broke down? Didn't he had uh, after managing to down here? I think he had because Palmer, Palmer retired like two laps into the the thing, didn't he? Barely barely went any anywhere with an with an engine problem. And then Kvyat had to pull over but he was uh they had to pull and push him across the track didn't they to get him off
2: yeah you're right absolutely it's just that much going on i'm trying to remember which which incident caused which safety car so you're absolutely right so uh kia is the one that causes the safety car but max also went out with the technical trouble at pretty much at the exact same time so that's yeah. like, just double checking so max is gone uh pretty early on with uh did you catch what it was in the end, was it engine or something like that? For for Max. Uh
1: yes, I think it's, it was. Because
2: it's four retirements out of six for poor Max and he's just not getting any luck, is he? He's getting the He's, he's
1: getting, getting webbers car. Yeah, he's
2: getting the Felipe Massa luck or whatever. You know, he's getting the <laughs> It's 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 a shame because he was running in fourth at the time and Yeah he looked he was given looking what, very well, solid, wasn't he? Given what else is going on. And and, and well, all around him, would have to if assume, he, wouldn't he? If, he'd kept if he kept there on the road
1: fourth, he'd have been—he'd have won know, the race probably. Um,
2: yeah, ebbs and butts and maybes and all of that, you know. But another another opportunity gone for Max, and it—you it, know—we can't get too too concerned. He's only twenty, and he's got a huge career in front of him. But this was a great opportunity for him to to grab another another victory for him. So disappointment for him, and you he heard it on the radio as well. You know, he said, here we go again. It's just, it does seem like every week, Mac- I can't remember Max had last time we had a, a proper good weekend. And then Clear as well, almost at the exact same time, uh, also breaking down, and that was the first safety car.
1: Yes. So we had the first safety car, then uh, the restart, was very good for Hamilton, wasn't he? And Vettel was behind, and we thought there was kind of a lot of action behind. Did some people touch then as well? But nobody, nobody retired at that point. But I think it just meant that we ended up with lots of, had lots of carbon fibre, like literally in three or four different places on the track.
2: Yep, and we had. Um, um, I think most people came in for the pit stops at that point as well. Yeah. Stop. And what was probably crucial at that? No, stage... that's what
1: it, that was different. it must have been something else. What happened?
2: What I would say is, what was crucial at this point in the race is that Bottas got to unlap himself. So Bottas comes out from under the safety car, gets to unlapped the field, puts himself back on the lead lap, and that that that's really key for the race because of where he ends up finishing when everything unfolds. So that was that was that was the, that was the crucial sort of thing that that happened under that safety car, and I think we only had like a couple of did we even have one lap? Was it? Ah, that's what it was. Kimi Raikkonen. I'm just going through the race now. Kimi Raikkonen. Someone came off his car and caused some debris. And I think just, I think the the race directors just uh, went safety car to clear up everything at that point.
1: They are we sure? Because they then they red flagged it eventually. That was the point. I thought yeah. what happened was because. This, yeah,
2: there's three safety cars,
1: yeah, and they then they red flag under the third. This is so it's the kind of second one that I'm um,
2: all it says here is a chunky piece of bodywork from Raikkonen's car has come loose, and race control was very quick to neutralize the race.
1: So lap 13 was to remove Toros organic yet, yeah? uh, 17 racing reviewed, but another safety car was almost to clear off more debris. Um
2: and then the third one's the force india's and then the red flag it.
1: uh yes okay right No. okay that makes that makes a bit more sense now I kind of
2: so the second safety car was just for debris i think yes kimi raikkonen having had the shunt with bought ass has got there's there's these cars damaged Something and, something, loose, something, wasn't something, it? and then it came something off. flies yeah. off somebody's off that, that McLaren, sorry, that Ferrari that's um, just had been in the wars already. Yep. And and and, and right away they were just like, safety car, um, let's get this track cleaned up. And Lewis was getting a bit, um, a bit aggy with the, with the safety car and it was going slow and he was complaining about grip and there's a lack of grip generally throughout the field because they couldn't get temperature in the tires, the safety car was going pretty slow or whether it was going slow or not i don't know but either way they felt like it was going slow and the result was that when they came back under the green flag after the safety car came in the lack of grip in the tires and there was just chaos every time they restarted the race because nobody had any grip so then then eventually you get uh after the second restart so the second safety car they restart and then the force indias collide yep. so then there's a third safety car and then the red flag yes that's it. <laughs> so it all, it all comes down to for me and it's the reason i said i was looking forward to the race is that they just didn't seem to be able to get any grip into the tires and they didn't seem to be able to warm them up or get the temperature or whatever and every time they started they restarted the race under the safety car. Nobody had any grip, so everybody was just all over the place.
1: Do you know if I, the thing I, that I found strange about that whole thing was how that it seemed that Lewis was able to get away on the tyres and it was Vettel who was struggling when during all the quality it'd been the Mercedes who were preparing their tyres for a lap before doing their flying laps, whilst the Ferraris seemed to be able to come out and just get on with it? Um, so it seemed, to me it seemed like kind of really odd. So I don't know whether it was a case that the way that Lewis was backing up the pack and stuff meant that he only did it when he knew he'd have the tyre, the, you know, the temperature in the tyres in such an odd way that, you know, he'd have the tyres and he that the others would be just preparing to get heat in their tyres, um, which I think then goes to talk to the incident that has kind of overshadowed everything coming on from the Grand Well, trip. yeah, because
2: that was on the... That it was, was the, the second. Yeah, the second safety car before the the red flag. So, I don't know. Where do we begin on this then? Because ugh, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, everybody knows what happened. <laughs> Lewis says, like you say, he's controlling the pace as is his want. He breaks. Well, he, does doesn't, he, break, he does, doesn't. Does break. he break Check Vettel or no. does he not break? Well, no, it, the, F- the FI slow? say
1: he doesn't, so... If that's what so the FA say, they then the he temp, they, yeah, they read the data.
2: So, but either so way,
1: he, he was off. I think he was not on full throttle or anything like that. But you know, he'd been on and off, but he didn't break. But what? What? It, see, the thing is, I don't think you know. Race cars tend not to run into the back of one another unless they're doing something that the other driver doesn't expect. Of course. So. All I'm all I'm kinda thinking is that Vettel has to assume that what Hamilton is doing is going slow into the corner and then accelerating away. Um and I assume he must have probably been doing that on previous corners, although because otherwise if you know, if he'd been slow off the corners like he was, um, and then doing it, then I don't think it catches Vettel out because he's 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 aware of what Hamilton's doing. Um now that's not me trying to find an excuse for Vettel or anything like that, but it, it. I don't think Sebastian is stupid enough to just kind of wander into the back of Lewis's Hamil- Lewis Hamilton's car under the safety car. I know he hit Weber under the safety car once, but that was in torrential rain in Brazil. So, you know, we can go that. And plus, you know, anybody who wants to be funny about, <laughs> any Lewis fans who want to be funny funny about Seb, you have to remember that uh, Lewis Hamilton ra- ran into the back of a stationary car in the pit lane <laughs> <Canada>. <laughs> without any... <laughs> any assistance from anyone else. Um,
2: These these things happen and whether Lewis Brake checked him or he didn't is sort of irrelevant to the next half of the incident because all that matters really is what Vettel perceives to have happened and Vettel thinks Lewis Brake checked him. Now, whether Lewis did or didn't, Vettel in his head thinks that he did. Now, then Vettel has his moment (laughs) that is the Bigger bone of contention than anything Lewis did, which is drive alongside him, make a gesture with his hand, and then <laughs> how do you how do you describe it? Give him a I'm love, kidding, really. give him a love yeah. tap. <laughs>
0: it's a, it,
1: it, for F one standards, that's a, that's a love tap. Do you know what I mean? We've we've watched Pastor Maldonado deliberately drive into people to make a point, you know, and we've seen what the outcome of those are, and it isn't, you know. Oh, we bumped into you know we bumped tire walls and and then everybody goes home. But my take on it is this, and let's let's see if you feel that this is you know yep kind of a, a, a reasonable way of looking at it. Vettel does run into the back of Hamilton, and whether he does it because um, he really believes Hamilton brake tested him or whether because he wasn't paying attention and so he's running to the back of Hamilton and he just feels stupid. Either way, it doesn't really matter. So he decides he's going to pull alongside and look over and gesture at Lewis. That's, that's the plan. I don't think he plans to run into him. I, don't I,
2: agree, I agree with that, by the way. I agree with um,
1: that. So what he does is he accelerates to pull alongside, points what he thinks is in the direction of going forward turns completely to the right hand side now this is the bit that it's difficult to see because i've only i've only seen it from the left hand side camera you can see he definitely takes his left hand off the wheel to gesture across now i don't know what his right hand is doing but i kind of have to assume that uh, He'd normally probably gesture with his right hand and hold on with the left because his right hand's going to be dominant, right? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's that's the sort of thing. So I think he's probably either got both hands off the wheel, or his right hand is sort of trying to half hold the wheel whilst making a gesture. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe he's trying to guide it with his wrist or something like that. And you have to remember the cars are going really slowly at this point; they're just basically trundling along the track. Um. So he's kind of pointed the car and he kind of knows he's going in that direction. Um, and I think, interestingly, if you look at what Lewis's head does, he looks to the left and kind of sees, um, you know, and I think it's because he, he feels the hit at the back. So he kind of looks left and then he looks right. When he actually gets the the, the love tap, he's not looking straight forward or at Vettel. He's looking in his right hand mirrors, I think, to see what's happening behind him because he's not sure what, how the hell he's gotten... <laughs> shunted up the behind in the by when he's under the safety car. So whether Vettel points it in the car, expecting that Lewis will probably move over and not, uh, you know, as well. You know, he's kind of go. I'm going to go close to you to kind of spook you, kind of thing. Or whether he's just not paying enough attention and he's allowed the car to go in that direction, you know, without really thinking about it. I think that's the that's the intention. There is that he all he wants to do is look and gesticulate at Lewis and. Say some things in German at him, um, and what's happened is is that the car has just sort of wandered over far more than he thought it was going to. It's bumped the bumped the wheels, and then everybody goes, "Oh, okay, right. I'm going to fall back in, and, you know, behind him. We'll, we'll carry on having having made my point." And that's the situation. Uh, uh, he's done something incredibly stupid, incredibly petulant. And something I doubt he'll probably ever do again. I don't think you'll ever see Sebastian Vettel be that careless in future. Um, and that's the incident for me. And for that, he got a penalty for driving dangerously, or potentially driving dangerously. I think was the is the actual. Um, was the actual penalty, and the the interesting thing is, if you look at the the wording on it, um, there's no there's no use of the word deliberately. It does say "steer into," but that uh, I think doesn't make an uh, a decision on intent. I think mm-hmm. he's what he's saying is he steered, and it has steered into the car. Yep. It's not saying he has deliberately veered into the car you know, but it's it's Vettel's fault, you know, Vettel's steering put it into the car. Yep. Uh, and he got a 10 second stop-go penalty, which is the um, second harshest punishment you can get other than being black flagged. There is, you know, there's nothing more you can do to somebody really other than giving them multiple 10 second stop-go penalties, I guess. Um, and kind of to me, I'm like, yeah dumb dumb situation give him a penalty that in any other circumstance would have meant that he'd have finished fifth at best um because he finishes uh fourth but you know let's you'd have to assume that uh if lewis doesn't have his headrest issue he finishes ahead of sebastian by quite a long way he probably wins the race actually. yeah wins the race
2: and, and vettel then loses a the championship lead. And people yep. would probably be saying, "The penalty Good. is fair." Uh-huh. Yeah. Whereas it's because Lewis has had a separate issue that I think a lot of it, a lot of the, the media palaver comes into it, where because Vettel, because Lewis has had his own problems and Vettel's somehow finished ahead of him, they're 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 angry at that.
1: Because it feel they feel Ra- like it wasn't enough of a punishment. Yeah. Was actually well,
2: without done. actually objectively looking at the punishment for the crime itself. Well, and- I think the whole
1: point is is that it doesn't even matter whether whether you don't even have to look at the punishment objectively. You just have to say punishments are not based on what somebody else does in the race.
2: Yep. Yeah. yeah. True.
1: You know, because it's a bit like um, you know suggesting you know Bottas hits Kimi, Kimi you know ends up you know. Not finishing the race, even though it's you know not not in of itself down to that initial thing. And Bottas finishes second, so Bottas should very definitely have gotten a penalty because he's profited out of the situation. But actually, if you look at look at what happened, you know Kimi didn't have to stop, and Valteri did. In any other mm-hmm. circumstance, Valteri is probably not finishing, you know, higher than sixth or something like that by the time it all shakes out. You know, in a normal race. So what what can you do? You can't say based on somebody else's race and their luck and what happens to them um you you get extra penalties that's that's <laughs> not how punishment works
2: <laughs> you're right you're right and i agree with you and just and on the actual incident itself it's funny because you've kind of summed up what i wanted to say about it probably better than i could i think seb agrees being completely stupid nobody has any argument on that um I think there's an argument even to be said that he's dozing behind Lewis and he hits the back of him, uh, and because he's 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 so enraged, even not necessarily at Lewis but maybe at himself for being for not for being careless in behind and potentially costing him a, a front wing he's come up alongside and he's just his emotions and he's angry or whatever, whether it's at himself or it's at Lewis is irrelevant. But the point is, is he's so, he's so enraged that he's taking, I think it's hard to make out and it's a shame that it's hard to make it, but I think he's taking both hands off the wheel in his anger. And like, and then, and as you described, he's just meandered into Lewis. I, I'm reluctant to say he's intentionally banged into him. A little bit and i'm way i'm very very aware of the fact that i'm a sebastian vettel and ferrari fan and people could easily pin pigeonhole me and say no he's just defending sebastian or whatever if you want to say that fine i i i'm i don't think Vettel's stupid enough i i i'm a, to, to intentionally intentionally tap him but i think he was i, I could believe that he was irate enough to bring both hands off the wheel and be careless and they've tapped. That's kind of the way I see it. Um, as for the punishment, I think the punishment was the right punishment. I think it was a fair punishment. I agree with you. If Lewis doesn't have his problems. He wins the race. Hamilton wins the race. Vettel comes fifth. Hamilton takes lead in the championship. It probably blows over a little bit easier than it has. And the issue of Coming back after a race and FIA potentially overruling stewards that have made decisions at the track there and then, that isn't. That's not how it works either. Like it's not again, like you said, that's not really how punishments work, or that's not how the stewards should work. Like there's a reason we employ these stewards to do these things. If they're going to come in and, and and overrule them, that sets a dangerous precedent. So,
1: I mean, that's that. My my point is, uh, and I had I had such a hard conversation with a Formula One journalist who do you know what I mean? This is somebody who writes for a living and and talks about Formula One for a living, and he seemed so desperate to try and pigeonhole an a, a, an opinion that w- that was different than his own. As oh you so you think the FIA shouldn't have the right to penalise him? I said no. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying that the FAI either don't have or shouldn't have the right to penalise incidents um, as they see fit. What I'm saying is I don't think that they should. I hope that they don't in this case because a penalty was applied, like I say, the second harshest penalty that could be applied in a race um, that seriously affected... um, the race result for the person that it was applied to um anything else is kind of just reacting to a section of people who are clearly out for one driver's blood and i don't think that's right i don't that's not what i want to see from the fia FAA. i agree i i want them to you know when they you know when, when there's the whole mclaren spygate thing and McLaren lost all of their Constructors points and were fined 20 million um, pounds or dollars or whatever they were.
2: Was it not 100 million? I oh, 100 million. Yes, it
1: was whatever ridiculous amount it was. I remember
2: and, um, thinking, woo, that's a lot of cash.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I sit there and look at it and and I remember at the time I was like, I hated it so much because I was, I'm a McLaren fan and, I, you know, they'd been doing well and, you know, it, it just kind of was a whole, it just kind of, Went with how everything was going with McLaren at the time. It you know wasn't a good uh, wasn't a good thing. Um, but I kind of went. That's what the FIA are for, aren't they? Somebody says I think a team has done this. I need you to investigate and rule on it. Do you know what I mean? Or well, we have evidence of this. That's what a ruling body is there to do. Do you know what I mean? It, it shouldn't be. Hmm. Well, Twitter thinks that uh, Sebastian should have gotten a black flag. Let's give him a black flag, which is what it what it's felt like is that Jean todd has gone. Oh well, we think we we'll, this needs a review, and to be fair, he has not he said a review. He hasn't sort of gone either way on whether it does or doesn't. He points, but he said we think it needs a review. So there'll be a discussion about whether it needs a review, and then if it has a review, they'll talk about it, and then they'll see if there's any anything that needs to come from it. But it just it, it sets a precedent to me that if there is enough noise about something. Then the FIA will step in and do something, whether that's noise from the teams or whether that's noise from the fans. And that's what I don't like. That's what I don't want to see F1 becoming uh, this place where yep. the court of public opinion shapes how much the FIA decides to kind of stick their nose into situations. It's like, You're the governing body for a reason. You should sit there and, you know, uh, and arbitrate and do all those bits and pieces. They
2: they shouldn't need Twitter or the media to tell them what to investigate. They should know that already, or they should know what needs investigated and what doesn't need investigated because they're the FIA. (laughs) I I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying.
1: Now, let's just say the race stewards had decided that there was um, nothing to be said. Let's just say they went, oh, accidental contact. Nobody had any lasting damage. You know, we're not going to do anything about it. Then that's different. I think the FIA then can say, well, look, stewards didn't do anything about this, but we think that they should have. Mm -hmm. Then I think that's different. I think that's when the FIA can say, look, you know, um, this this was missed. It shouldn't have, we're going to do something about it. Um it's a bit like football in that thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's it?
2: exactly like what they do in football. So yeah. if the referee so if the... makes
1: a decision about it, you don't, you know, you don't in and of itself go in. The FA um... will
2: never overturn a referee's decision. If he's seen a, seen an incident, made a decision, red carded a player, and then wrote in his match report, player A has been sent off for this. Even if, if everybody else can see it probably wasn't a red card, and the FA can say, yeah, it probably wasn't a red card but they will not go and overturn that referee's decision because then it undermines the authority of that referee for, for there on after. Uh, and and it's the exact same situation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it undermines you know, the stewards' authority.
1: And that's the, exactly the point, is, is that it's bad enough that we hear Lewis every race saying, Charlie, do something about this. Charlie, do something about this. Charlie, do something about this. God, it annoys me. And I know he's not the only one, but he's the worst one by like a million miles. You hear him say yeah. Talk to Charlie every five damn minutes and it just it's the worst thing. It's it is the F one equivalent of um holding your hands up with an invisible card in football. Yeah. It's I'm gonna whinge at the race stewards and you know, to try and get them to do something. Chut up. Don't stop talking about it. Both of them did it. Both Lewis and Seb did it, um, this race and I hate them both for it. Um I
2: think in I think in football, if there's a a mistaken identity, they they can step in uh, because obviously that's if someone gets punished for something that they didn't do, then that's that's almost fair enough. But I'm pretty sure yeah, if there's a referee makes a decision, obviously there's the appeals process. So that fact like you can appeal a red card. But then you then in, only, uh, no, to translate it to yeah to translate it into f1,
1: is the extended ban doesn't go ahead does it do you know what i mean so, so
2: with, with, to, to translate it into f1 it would be like vettel appealing the appealing the 10 second punishment but i don't, no, I don't think different. i don't think they can no, add sever- no, no, no. they can't no, add no, no. more punishment is what is, no. is what they're trying to do no
1: but you i think you you're you're confocating the situations around here you can't rescind the red card that happened in the game you get sent off you get sent off and that's what a 10 second stop go penalty is yeah giving somebody three grid places for the next race on top of say that or the three points he's been given on his super license that's what he he be able to appeal if he said i don't think you know a i don't think i should have gotten the the 10 second stop go penalty there's nothing we can do yeah about. you're right but you're right I should because... be allowed the three points on my license and i can show you why it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what you think it is. Then that's, you know, that's the bit that they're appealing, isn't it? Not, you can't do anything about penalties applied in the race, and that's why they Yeah, because really it's stick already those... been
2: served. Yeah, it is complicated, and it, truthfully, it's, I don't like. It's not fun to discuss. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's we want to discuss racing and things like that, not you know penalty points and what the FIA are going to do behind closed doors. Like, so it's frustrating that. Such a good race has kind of descended into this a little bit because if it didn't have this incident, it would have been a cracking Grand Prix. So,
1: well, the the, the only thing is, is without it, Lewis Hamilton becomes like, um, comes sixth and Vettel wins the race, and Vettel wins the race, yeah. So, for any Lewis fans, they should be very happy that it, it happened at all. And that's
2: what we go back to is that Vettel's been punished, he lost the race victory at the end of the day. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I'm firmly of the opinion that he's been punished. The punishment is served. It cost him a race win. You know, race wins don't grow on trees. It cost him a mm-hmm. race win. He years, served his punishment. I'm not in favour of any further action.
1: No. So, well, I, I I agree. I I think I think the I'm incident not, is done now. So, so I'm done. not
2: just saying that because it's Vettel versus Lewis. I, I, you know, I, I, if it was anybody, I would be of that opinion. I like to think that I'm uh, a neutral enough mind to be able to look beyond the two that are in the incident and say, yeah. give my opinion on it. And I would I would say that if it was anybody else. Um, if it was Bottas and Raikkonen who keep coming to blows, if it was Raikkonen, poor old Kimmy losing his temper and clunking the side of Bottas, you know, I would have the exact same opinion in terms of should the FIA step in and take further action. So I hope what we end up with is somebody coming out from the FIA and saying Vettel was a t- <laughs> service punishment, and we're going to move on. And, and that's how I'd like this, you know, and some of like you said, you alluded to it, but some of the some of the comments and the media stuff and the, the BBC has become unbearable. Like, it's been bad for a while, but God, it was unbearable. I couldn't look at the BBC for a few days after this incident.
1: Um, I have to say, actually, for once, um, well, so say for once, Sky, the website, do you know what I mean, and Sky Sports F1, the the Twitter account, awful, um, as, as you would e- completely expect from from the channel in general. But Martin Brundle's been brilliant, and so many...
2: Uh, Martin Brundle's always brilliant,
1: though. Well, I mean, he is, but some, you know, sometimes you know, you can't always agree on people, like, and I don't always agree with with what Brundle thinks about stuff. But this time, he was, hey, we said everything. It's really difficult. It's such an emotive issue, um, to really boil down into 150 characters. But he did it. You know, he did it perfectly. And two, he did sort of did sort of two two tweets about it that were like, if you're reading this and you disagree with him on this, then. You, you kind of logically you you're just doing it because you know you want Seb to suffer specifically not because of the incident or you want you know Seb to suffer because he's Lewis's uh rival for the title this season. And it was really good. And most of the ex-drivers have been like that, Jensen Button yep. said the same thing. Agreed. Um, Damon Damon Hill said the same thing, which is almost unheard of him to say something that um <laughs> Chris that doesn't, you know, fully back up Team Lewis, but um
2: the bbc had an article entitled when drivers attack like come <laughs> on that is embarrassing that is absolutely when, what do you mean when he attacked god you want to see some you want to see an attack in a motor car that wasn't an attack
1: well this is <laughs> and this this is the other thing is that um the last two incidents where a driver has been driven into deliberately do you, do you know who who that person was
2: uh you're gonna tell me.
1: Well I wanted you to guess. <laughs> who who do you think it was? Who would be guilty of driving twice into competitors on purpose?
2: Uh Michael Schumacher.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> More recently than that.
2: I don't know. I I feel like uh, I'm now second guessing myself. Lewis?
1: No. <laughs> Although he was one of the victims.
2: Uh like, you know my memory's bad, man. Go on, just oh, tell me.
1: Pastor the Oh, was it mad
2: Oh, d- did he do it deliberately, though? I just thought Maldonado had yes. drove into people because he. Well, he
1: does. I mean, he does. But he um, was rubbish. Like, like 90 percent was... of his incidents are just. because I did of think his it was on purpose. <laughs> 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 he, he, he did it to Lewis in Spa. Do you remember?
2: Not really, to be honest. That's oh, really? Mean, so down I just don't move. have a very. I don't have a very good brain for memory and memorising yeah. those kind of things.
1: So yeah, he crashed yeah. into Lewis at very high speed at Spa. Veered towards towards him because he didn't like something that happened in quality. Uh and he deliberately ran into um perez in monaco um and they literally used the words deliberately when they penalized him yeah, yeah would yeah. you like to know what his punishments were for both of those incidents go on he had a five place dr- grid drop for the spa incident he had a 10 place grid drop for monaco
2: yeah. so why he wasn't now... black
1: flag wasn't disqualified the FAI didn't say anything about so... it
2: why are we now calling for three match bans? Wow. Because of the two people that are involved. Exactly. Higher stakes, but that doesn't mean the punishment should be any different. You know, you can't have one rule for one and one rule for another. I didn't realise like... Maldonado was guilty of, um, Twice. of two of those. I generally didn't know that. and I just, I guess uh, every time I've seen an incident with him in it, I just assumed he'd just done something <laughs> stupid. and like, But I didn't ever think there was any malicious intent behind it. I just thought he'd he was just the, bad at driving a formula one car yeah so.
1: the, the hilarious quotes around it around the veterans were saying oh you should get a bla- you should get black flag for using your car as a weapon like
0: yeah weapon and that's did the he kind use of, it for like, a, like a rolled
1: up piece of newspaper was the weapon that vettel used that's it the was,
2: kind of rhetoric that i was seeing on the bbc a little bit and it's just like come on like it's like a 12 year old's written some of this stuff yes but anyway what can we expect from certain aspects of the f1 community Mm. i just like to say finally before we move on i want to and nine times out of 10 in formula one maybe not 100 times out of 100 but nine times out of 10 i want to be on the side that martin Brundle and jensen button are on because both of those guys (laughs) talk nothing but sense so and i know what side they're on on this time and i'm on their side so
1: And Jackie Stewart as well. He, he said it was like, Vettel did something stupid, but Lewis clearly, do you know what I mean, did something to provoke him. And I'm kind of like, well...
2: Although you know who blamed Lewis, don't you?
1: Who? Mr. E.
2: Bernard. Oh, well... <laughs> Which kind of surprised me because I thought he loved Brian Lewis.
1: Well, probably whilst it's not making him any actual money anymore, maybe it's, um, <laughs> it's less important to him. But yeah, like... We've summed it up
2: enough, you know. It's been done. Let's move on from it.
1: So, really, once you moved on from there, the big incident after that is the Force India incident. Um, and I, Which... my, my tweet after it happened was a screen grab of the Alanis Morissette song "Ironic."
2: Yeah, um, Am- amazing and how... race removed yeah. from amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll let our drivers race. I wonder if they'll rethink they... their strategy. <laughs>
2: they literally asked him on the grid. One of the guys, that, uh, I can't remember if it was Bob Bell that worked for India. They literally, it was either him or it was the other guy, I can't remember the other guy's name. I think it was Brundle's gridwalk said, are they going to race? I'm like, yeah they can race. <laughs> and then boom. <laughs> and i will be coming right round to Ocon. I think he's got something, definitely got something to offer. But yeah, he's probably the one to blame a... on this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was just far too hopeful that too
2: punchy you know just young and exuberant and
1: i think the problem was is that he'd lost places at the other restarts and i I think he was just kind of like i really need to get going on this um i really need to get past perez because i'm not the team aren't going to help me past him if i'm faster so he just went for the first gap that opened up and you can almost vaguely not blame him having seen like the three wide passes that were happening along that piece of road beforehand but uh, he, it was optimistic at best and I think he's very lucky that it was his teammate that he hit because I think if it had been another car he'd have gotten a penalty but that's yeah, the, yeah. that's the kind of judiciousness that I kind of expect from the stewards like unless those two are the two fighting for the championship which they're not then if teammates are hitting one another the stewards almost don't have to do anything because you know the team are going to
2: yeah, and you, you know they've already, the team's already been punished by one of their drivers having to be out the race. So it's it's it's, it's cute, Stewardon. I'd describe it. That's what I describe it as. It's just a, a little bit of a common sense approach, you know. And that caused yeah, the no, red, absolutely. and that and that caused the red flag, you know, because the debris that by this point, having had three safety cars in the space of like ten laps or something, bits of carbon fibre literally everywhere they just had. they had Alonso was the first to say we need a red flag and about a lap later it came out and it was like yep you know Fernando's on the radio calling for a red flag it probably needs a red flag (laughs) and he was right Uh, and um by this point the incident between Lewis and Vettel has taken place but there's not been any consequences of it yet so under the red flag Lewis is still in front and it's it's just after the restart, Vettel gets his penalty, and Lewis has his headrest issue, which is
1: that's one of one, the more bizarre. Yeah, I
2: was, I've it's one seen. of those ones that you kind of get once a season. You kind of just like what? You kind of it wonder just, like, well, how they what? haven't.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you kind of wonder how they haven't got a better system for ensuring that that. the the headrest is improperly you'd have thought they'd have had like you think they've got sensors that can monitor everything in the car how have Mm -hmm. they not got two little you know sensors that line up when the headrest is locked in place it is
2: is remarkable i'll
1: tell you the one thing that was today i learned from reddit was those headrests are really squishy i didn't think that they were squishy i thought they were quite hard like okay whenever whenever you see them like take them off and fling them they sort mm-hmm. of, they don't wobble or anything like that. But you could see that when Lewis was trying to put it put it back, he was squashing it and squeezing it in his hand. Yeah. And I was kinda of like, oh, I didn't know that they were squishy, squishy. I thought they were soft. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I yeah. thought the foam was like kind of hard foamed so that, you know, if the head bounced off of it, it had some give, but not that it was like super, super squishy.
2: Hmm. hmm something to ponder what well, it is well it's just
1: one of those things yeah I've been vaguely interested in them after do you remember they used to have i don't think you see it anymore but they used to have, sometimes have pink foam and they sometimes they used to have blue foam and it was a the aero like the heat properties of the two like sometimes they'd use one that um didn't store the heat as well or something like that i can't remember what, what it was but they used to sometimes see them with blue and sometimes with with pink foam on the inside of the the things I'm far too interested in Formula say, one not, headrest for my own good. It's
2: not something I've ever really pondered, but now <laughs> after this incident, I'm going to take a newfound interest in. It, but it was <laughs> remarkable. It was, it was one of those truly bizarre ones, like, like the, when you see was, drivers who need to. I don't know when, like something. I can't remember who it, was, it was, but some there's see-
1: one one tire. <laughs> yeah, that's same that's,
2: as name is ever I love that. What? <laughs> you know how much I love that. Incident. I know, but there was one that was like, I can't remember who it was. I, want to say like Jensen or Coulthard or something, I wonder if it was a British guy and the seat kept, or was it Weber where the seat kept like burning the legs or something?
1: Oh yes. yes who that was. burn, wasn't it?
2: And it's just like one of those remarkable incidents. It's like, <laughs> what is going on here?
1: My favourite one of those is Robert Kubica in um, in one of the Renaults driving about and going, there's somebody's mobile phone in here. <laughs> he's, as he's going <laughs> oh, around yeah. for one of the practices and it's just like, oh, okay, return <laughs> to the pits. Dropped their <laughs> <laughs> They've literally got <laughs> the phone in his car. <laughs> it's like hilarious.
2: Like, and Lewis is trying to fix it and he's squishing it down like you said and it keeps popping up as he's going 200 miles an hour down the street. <laughs> and by that point, you just knew uh, he's yeah. going to have to come in here, isn't he? This is like, this is this is a safety thing, you know. They're not going to stand for this, and obviously, Lewis is on the radio being like, "Oh, well, why come in?" And the engineer's just like, "Safety, mate."
1: And you but he didn't even say that, did he? He said, "We've been told you have to come in." Yeah, it wasn't he? It wasn't even like it's for your own good or anything like that? Because you know he'd sit there and argue the toss and say, oh it's fine, blah blah blah." And he just said, "Race control have said come in, done." um
2: And almost literally at the exact same time, Seb gets the penalty. Like. Lewis comes in, makes the change, comes back out, and then I think the very next lap, or two two, laps, two laps, I think, and 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 Vettel's clearly been told you need to pit for a penalty, smash it. So he puts in a couple of quick laps, and it's nip tuck, and he gets out just in front of Lewis, and um, and the man we haven't spoke about at all is the race winner from here on out. And it's Daniel But well, <laughs> and he wasn't even
1: really leaving the race at that point, was he? That was the sort of, if we get to, we get that amazing um, three wide passing manoeuvre, don't we? That that kind of gets him into- Well,
2: he's down the field because- I think He, he picked it red...
1: early because he got crap yeah. in his brake ducts.
2: Yep, and he, he tried to- some... on like lap
1: six, didn't he? Something like that?
2: Yep, they cleared the brakes out. The debris and stuff was trapped and I think he stuck on a different set of tires And just see what we could do, kind of thing, from from a contrary strategy. And in the end, through all the shenanigans, he's able he was able to fight his way through and like that that brief into turn one. Was it both the Williamses I think he took, Straw and um and Massa? And then with the carnage up front, so basically what he ended up having was you'd had Lewis and Vettel Tangling. You had the two Force Indias tangling. You had Bottas and Raikkonen tangling, and then you had Max Verstappen who failed to finish.
1: Massa, you, to, you Massa
2: breaking down.
1: Hülkenberg crashes into a wall,
2: and from from someone like nearly, nearly last, Tom Ricardo. One cracking overtaking move later up the inside of the Williams boys, and he's he's in the he's in the hot seat, and he was. Comfortable for the rest of the race, you know. Lewis and Seb were not able to make any inroads from where they ended up, and and poor Lance Stroll. Um, (laughs) what do Do you say about Lance?
1: (laughs) Well, you have to say fair play to the lad because given the start of his season, yeah, being second for any length of time in a race would have probably set the nerves, and he was second for a very long time. Um, I have a sneaky suspicion. He slowed down at the wrong line. There's a few people mentioning that on Twitter. Um... I have a sneaky suspicion that because Ricardo's so far ahead, he slowed down to cross the line, and I think Stroll kind of went over the first line at the start of the pits, uh, and was off the gas um, as Bottas flies around because he made up like a second and a half in like the last sector or something ridiculous. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's only down to the fact that Stroll thought. He'd crossed the line and finished, or maybe that there was some wonderful code of ethics that meant the you know if you're in third place and the guy's far enough ahead that you couldn't overtake him, you you don't you know (laughs) like um was it like kicking the football back after there's been an injury? (laughs) You don't try and score a goal from that, you know you just kick the ball back. Um, that's I have a feeling because I don't I just cannot see how Bottas goes from being not anywhere near enough close enough for an overtake to passing him on, on the line out of the last corner? Uh,
2: yep. Yeah, I think there's, it is. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't have any concrete evidence to suggest that is what happened. But it, it wouldn't surprise me. It did look a bit strange a bit about it. And if it was the case, then what a, what a shame for Lance to out on a P2 uh, in such a manner. But either way, uh, very, very a good drive when all around him chaos was happening yes Kept you can on the keep road. your head whilst That's all about it.
1: a Rudyard losing Third place is <laughs> yours my son Yep.
2: it was like, and he can't knock him whatsoever and uh,
1: well it just ra- yeah. just rather means doesn't it that julian palmer's formula 1 career is starting to look look <laughs> more and more lonely isn't it really
2: not great, is it? Not great. <laughs>
1: now that Lance Stroll has a, has a podium finish. I'm an, and I know he's in a Williams and Jolien's in a, in a Renault, but it's just the kind of, like, Jolien Palmer really needed Lance Stroll to continue being bad, just to kind of go, well, look, you know, it's, I'm not the only one.
2: <laughs> yeah. So you've got Bottas who's come through, and that's why I thought he got back on that lead lap at the first safety car, because mm. in the end, he's finished second. He's only finished fourth. If there was another five laps, Bottas would have won the race
1: um i think there's a possible chance of that
2: He was five he's four seconds behind ricardo at the end and i think probably on a quicker set of boots and a quicker car so would have been an interesting fight danny rick wouldn't have uh given it up easily that's for sure i think it'd have yeah. been
1: in, it'd have been interesting because obviously ricardo could control the race at the front yep he and was you know, definitely not pushing at that at that in the same way
2: true and it's tough to overtake at times so it would have been would have been, been a good fight if- as it was, we didn't. I think Bottas can be delighted with his effort, given where he was. A <laughs> yeah. Massive amount of praise for Lance, as you said, keeping his head. And you got Seb and fourth, Lewis and fifth. We've talked about them enough. Only two tenths between them crossing the line. You know, so there could have easily been a mm. f- further coming together. It's, you know That wouldn't have been out of the question. They were together on the track. Do you think uh, Lewis... Um, he couldn't maybe challenge Vittel a little bit more towards the end of the race, given that Mercedes seemed to have the edge on Ferrari in pace. No,
1: I think it was just. I think when you see that Sebastian Vettel got the fastest lap of the race, then I think, uh, I think the race pace was much closer. Fair enough. Fair um,
2: enough. Ocon in sixth, get he got away with one. That's a good that's result a, for Ocon. Well, it
1: is absolutely. You know, he's definitely yeah. stolen that one. Um, probably the man that I feel most sorry for in seventh because. Um,
2: Yeah, I was about to say we're just coming to a wee clutch of runners in the late end of the points that have all had cracking weekends and points going Mm. finishes. Given, give, and obviously it's the nature of a race like this where there is going to be points on the table for some lower down guys that can can nick them and and seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth all all very you know good good solid excellent points finishes. So as you say, guy in seventh was
1: who was it? K Mag. Kevin magson who was who was up in third at um, or third or fourth at one point. Yeah,
2: found himself found
1: himself in all the in after... the nosebleed seats. Is yeah,
2: that. yeah. <laughs> after all the trouble, found himself in third. And did you see his radio? His radio was tremendous. It was like every two minutes they were just saying, "Kev, this is really good." This is like they were shocked to be there. This is brilliant, Kevin. Just keep it up, mate. This is excellent. And then he started to slip back a bit, and you kind of felt for them. It was like, oh. <laughs> but, yeah, and it'd have been so
1: good uh, if you'd been able to like hold on to like a fifth or something like that, and just been like, "Yep, here's a big haul of points for you, doing well." But
2: um, even still, seventh is a good result for the. It's Haas a very cars. good
1: result for the for the Hasting. That's um, a, a a very good drive from a car that was clearly not particularly well suited to the track either. Uh,
2: and we talk we talk Magnuson up quite a lot. We know we're both quite good fans of him, so good to see him getting. Getting points on the board because, you know, Grosjean has kind of felt like the guy, more often than not, that's going to be the one mm-hmm. for Haas. So good to see Magnussen getting a solid fistful of points. But also, I, I know Grosjean had his own troubles. With I think he, Grosjean seems to have had break troubles since about 2015. <laughs> um, but, but good to see Magnussen, you know, putting his head above the pit and saying, I'm still here and I've got lots to offer. So very pleased
1: uh eight for carla signs a bit of a rescue job in a, in a uh, way because uh, yeah mid race is... he was only going backwards it seems you know alonso was overtaking him and stuff and he was just kind of like okay what's up with the Toro Rosso here but then for some reason later on in the race he seemed to be able to put on the the pace got past both of the um saubers and alonso to kind of rescue himself a, uh a four-pointer yep.
2: and had the little spin at the start as well. And, you know, so, yeah. run, so.
1: I mean, and to be fair, he was right at the back at that point. So it's you know,
2: it's yeah. They're giving him eighth at the start of the race when he had that spin. He probably would have taken that more than happily. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good good result for Carlos, who continues to do his stock no harm. We, we yep. all know how good this guy, this kid, could be. Like he's there's a reason he's being linked with some of the seats that he is. So
1: absolutely. Uh, Fernando Alonso scores McLaren Honda's first points of the season, so that's that's a monkey off of everybody's back. I was just about to
2: say that that is the first check yeah, because I remember I wasn't sure if they got anything in Monaco or not. Because uh, no, no. I know that the McLaren has looked okay at, Mo- at Monaco in the past with, like because because of the power, less emphasis on power at Monaco. But no, this is the indeed the first the first two points then. Should we talk um, about McLaren? Should we talk about Mercedes engines next year?
1: Well, I mean, I think we can do. I, I still don't know if they will. It's one of those really it's one of those really difficult ones, isn't it? Because they must see the effort that Honda are putting in and they know that Salba are signed up for the next year. They could go to Mercedes and probably make a very good fist of it. Do you know what I mean? Would they be faster than the Mercedes with a customer engine? Yeah, that's why you've got to sort of go mm, I don't know that was the reason why they went with Honda in the first place and wouldn't the most galling thing to be would be to say okay we've divorced ourselves from Honda we've built our new car around the Mercedes engine um, it's very good uh, and then Salba turn up with <laughs> the best Honda engine that they've made for 30 odd years um, and it takes a struggling back end team to being a you know a midfield fighting team because it's you know, it's a, a good engine. Or even if it doesn't do that, that they they see that in a you know, uh, a backward Salba with a Honda engine, it was you know now fighting with the Toro Is you'd have to say that. Yeah, a bit like Aaron... when the
2: Manor put the Merck engine in, and yeah. Suddenly, the overnight the Manor looked two seconds off the whole field to at least being able to compete. You know,
1: well they would be they were beating Salba, weren't they? Yeah. Who, who was still a Ferrari customer at that point? So it's just kind of. um but...
2: The question and the bit is like the biggest, but can you honestly see Honda being able to do that in 2018, I, let alone 2019?
1: Like, well, I don't know, I don't know. That's the problem, Sean. They might mm. do it this year. I mean, you just don't know. That's the problem that McLaren have got is that there is no way of knowing, you know, they're going to get an upgrade for the next race. This is the new power unit that they want to bring, so they're going to start from the back of the grid again. Um, and at some point, you know, at least, at least if 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 Honda can bring a decent enough engine, at some point they can use it for more than one race. At the moment, which would be nice, um you know, who knows? What well, if they if they st- stick the next pun and they're suddenly fighting for with Force India, you know, on its first iteration? Then suddenly the world looks completely different, doesn't it? Suddenly it's just like okay, well this engine isn't fully finished, but it's got a load of stuff that. It's taken them the three years to develop and get in the car. What we you know, what could they do across the rest of the season? What could they do, you know, in the in the winter break? Unlimited funding, probably from Honda on it. No restrictions on engine development. You just, you just don't know, and that that's that's McLaren's <laughs> problem yeah. is that they they could go to Mercedes, which is probably a safe bet, but it won't. Probably take them higher than fifth, give or take. You know, let's just say amazingly that you know uh, we don't know how good the the Honda the Honda chassis, uh, the McLaren chassis is, but it looks good. So let's say um with the Mercedes in it, the engine in it, it's this the chassis is at least as good as a Red Bull, but it's got a better engine in it than the Renault. Mm. That's definitely you. De- you definitely have to say that fifth and sixth would be easy at that point. Because they would be better than the Williams and the um, Force India chassis-wise, and they'd be better than the Red Bull in the engine department. that's yeah,
2: a, it's, a, it's a fair guesstimate. Yeah,
1: that's much better than it is now. <laughs> you know, let's not be let's not be cynical about these sort of things. You know? You're still
2: not winning world championships, is the point. No. that
1: you're making, and that
2: should be the ultimate aim. So,
1: so I don't know. I really don't know. Do you have
2: um, any idea, you'll know better than me, uh, when we might get a decision on this? or
1: I think they have uh, some clauses that means they will probably, annu- if it's got to be announced and it's all got to go, I'd have thought we'd have heard by the end of the summer, so probably September-ish. So after August, the break, after the August I break? I think might... so. I think that's when you're going to be looking to see whether they've made anything official. Okay. um and along that you've got all of these weird sort of uh sky seems to have convinced themselves that they've got the inside scoop that fernando is definitely leaving despite the fact that he said nothing concrete other than saying that he knows what he's doing i think or that you know he, he knows what his plans are or something like that so like something completely non-concrete like that like saying mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah i read the article and i agreed with you when i saw you tweet it it was a case of Somebody saying something pretty much non committal and then writing a big massive article about something that wasn't actually said, sort of thing. But
1: so I don't know whether they will be there next season or not. Um
2: I, I don't I don't know. Either. Um it, I that's a fifty fifty for me at this stage.
1: I mean at this point they've got um they've got a, a good little pool of talent chugging along behind. They've got Stoffer in the car who I think will come good once this nightmare of a car he's kind of done with i think the thing was that he got his point with the mclaren last year which was probably a more stable car if you see what i mean because it was yeah the, i think that's the, the two-year engine and they've gone back to the drawing board with this one and the car is something completely different um so with a more stable car under him and he, you know rookie in his first season let's not be too hard on him um i was a bit disappointed he didn't get both saubers in this race um when you saw what Alonso was doing, I kind of expected him to maybe sneak into that 10th place ahead of their line, but um, you know, they've got Stoffel, they've got um, Nick DeVries and Lando Norris who both seem like they're going to be very good drivers for the future, especially Lando Norris seems to be doing very, very good things. Um, there's a strong driver market and I still think a McLaren seat appeals to a lot of decent talents out there um mm-hmm. so if he goes then i think he he's not replaceable do you know what i mean let me not let me state that no. i'm not saying whoever they get in will be better than uh, than alonso because they won't um because i think he's probably the best driver on the grid um but if the car isn't automatically challenging for world championships it almost doesn't matter that they don't have fernando in the in the car yeah. they just need to develop it so they could put button back in the car that would be absolutely fine um, I'm sure they could probably tempt somebody from somewhere else to sit in the seat and do it. Do you know what I mean? You you, you could you hear almost anybody really to, to come in and sit in that uh, and be in that McLaren whilst they, they get it right. So
0: yeah, not, a as a
1: McLaren session. fan, I'm I'm not worried if he leaves, I'd be very sad if he leaves. I hope he yep. stays, but if he goes, I kind of understand why he, why he'll go. Um, and that's fine. But I'll just be sad that we don't have Fernando in the in the McLaren or McLaren weren't able to give Fernando the car to be be the world champion in a McLaren that I think we all kind of vaguely felt he was slightly robbed of in you know when he when he joined them the first time. If there uh, was a
2: if there was an obvious seat. I could see him definitely leaving, but I don't see an obvious
1: seat. No, it's all a bit weird, isn't it? Maybe Mercedes if they don't the, keep Bottas. The problem... Maybe, maybe Ferrari if, if they don't, keep, don't keep Kimi, but that's going back to Ferrari.
2: And the problem um, I've got is that they're both very much going in against two very dominant number one drivers.
1: Who I don't, who I don't think would I, appreciate having Fernando Alonso no, as a teammate.
2: Neither of them will. Aria Mercedes might look at Fernando Alonso and say, "Yeah,
0: it'd be great to have him, but it's not worth." I could
2: have a good, I have a good guy good... yeah, who's going to pick up the constructors' points and stuff. So I just,
1: I... When you both of those teams already have what you would have to say is two of the top three drivers on the yeah, grid. However, exactly. you want to order them around. Lewis, Alonso, Seb have got to be the top top three guys, haven't they? Really, when you sit down and, and mm-hmm. if you're honest, That's about fair. it. and you can say that Ricardo's good and Max is good, um, so I think
2: they're in that sl- just a fraction below those top three, though. I would agree. Yeah. Um, if if Vettel or Lewis turned out tomorrow and said, "I've had enough. I'm doing an Nico Rosberg. I'm retiring," Alonso would be in that seat come
1: oh, Tuesday yeah. afternoon. But Absolutely.
2: because those two are in those seats. I just doesn't quite feel like Alonso would fit in at either of those teams. It just no. doesn't strike me as—I can't see the Ferrari guys having t- two guys like Alonso and Vettel going at it. It's just not really the Ferrari way. And then you've got Mercedes, who have had the Nico Lewis think, dynamic. Who, and I think I, they—I think they've very clearly—they're
1: they, done with that, aren't they?
2: Yeah. And bringing in Lewis versus Fernando and an in inter-team battle. Is it's, it's like Nico versus that'll be like Nico Lewis on on acid, you know that'll be it's, even more intense. That's the for
1: definition you, it's like, of insanity is doing yeah. the same thing again and again, yeah. and, and expecting yeah. different results.
2: So I just cannot see how either of those two teams look at Fernando and go, oh, yeah, let's bring him in, unless they just completely go, you know what, this will be a laugh. He's a, he's one of the best drivers out there. Why not? Like, but I just can't, I can't see it. If no, it comes at if one of the Red Bull drivers comes out and goes elsewhere, then who knows? But I don't know. Fernando Alonso in a Red Bull—it just doesn't.
1: That feels like the weirdest thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Fernando Alonso just... feels like old school, like old school proper racing car driver. Yeah, and and Red Bull aren't that team yet. Do you know what I mean? No, I agree. They're, they're they're still slightly the the rebadged Jaguar team. And I'd
2: almost rather see him in like a Williams than a Red Bull or a yeah. Re- or a Renault because they're like. Like, uh, there's just something about Alonso in a Red Bull that would feel very, very
1: weird. I don't like that. That makes, no. me, feel, makes me feel slightly dirty thinking about <laughs> I, feel,
2: I don't, I, can't, I don't know why, because I've got absolutely no. no problem with Max and Danny driving the wheels off the Red Bull and getting good results. But the idea of Alonso going in there just feels very strange to me. Uh, yeah. And then your options are going back to Renault or going somewhere else like that and that just doesn't so no. Renault might improve they've got a big budget whatever but you know he'd probably be better off just st- staying at McLaren and praying that the McLaren get it right so yeah, I'm not sure I I really don't know where he goes like I said I'm 50-50 it's going to rumble on ideally I think he stays at McLaren and McLaren get it right but that's what I'd like to see happen I don't know whether that will happen no
1: no, I think at this point I've actually kind of stopped either being optimistic or pessimistic. I'm now just it's Honda's fault, and Honda need to sort it. Yeah. until that happens, I'm kind of I've put no hope in my team. Do you know what I mean? I'm <laughs> not not in a negative way, not like I'm oh, I have team now. It's more a case like I I'm not you know like when they we go oh well, Baco might might suit them, or Monaco might suit them, or Singapore might suit them, and now just going I. Not, I am not subscribing to the you know any track, any race being a good race until for they Baron. get the
2: whole package, uh, right? And,
1: <laughs> until you say it's a good race for them because they're challenging the top of the midfield, that's that's got to be the next. They've got to make that big jump, really, haven't they? They've got to jump straight back to challenging Williams and force India, yeah. And as I
2: said, no point should force India be this comfortably ahead of them, you know. McLaren. that's McLaren should not be happy with that, given their history, given their budget, given their expertise, etc. So they should be looking to always be like a Mercedes, Red Bull or Ferrari turn up with a worldy car and beat McLaren, you kind of go, Fair enough. But you know, and it's not disrespect to Force India, but McLaren should be should shouldn't be satisfied until they, you know, they're beating them week in, week out. I think that's
1: I think that's fair.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Pascal Verlein points for Cyber.
1: Very good. Uh, he looked very good this weekend. Look better we than actually, teammate, um, most of the thing. Although well, ironically, ooh, yeah, should,
2: there's a wee, there's a little thing going on here. That bone should, of
1: contention, isn't there? Should uh,
2: definitely discuss. Pascal gets the gets the jump. Gets the team
1: orders, yeah,
2: with the potential of passing somebody for the road because he's got quicker tires. Fair enough. Happens quite regularly. When he doesn't get the job done, supposed to let Marcus Ericsson through. And but,
1: they, but they couldn't because of Stoffel.
2: Stoffel putting the pressure on, on the sowers. But then Stoffel's finished way down on time. So did Stoffel... I
1: think only because he was did the you, only did, thing did, because he couldn't in the end. But at the at the time when they had to try I, and make the str- switch, he was closing in on them really quite rapidly. Yep. I mean, he's so, only finished um, like point what five hundredths of a
2: second down. Stoffel? So,
1: yeah. He's nice, not uh, on the um um yeah
2: i've got a time here that's completely different so maybe it's I'm so mine says mine
1: says uh ericsson finished uh one thirty one seven nine four off of the um the lead lap and Stoffel finished 132 uh 160 so just six hundredths of a second
2: hmm, i must be looking at oh, six tenths
1: uh, sorry even sorry not six hundred six tenths of a second did
2: Van Dorn get any post-race time penalties or anything? No, no I don't think so. I don't know, maybe this must just be wrong with time that I'm looking at. Anyway, point of the matter is, poor, uh, poor old Marcus didn't get back through, didn't no. get back past Pascal, so... Uh... Don't think he was very happy at that, given that he owns the team. <laughs> yes.
1: I mean, again, that's that's it's highly <laughs> ironic that Manisha Calterborn gets fired um among acrimony that she wasn't you know, she wouldn't let the team be fully behind Marcus Eriksson, And then at Is the that... first opportunity, Pascal Fairline gets team orders that gives him a, a a better finish than his than his teammates. Is that why
2: Manisha went then? Because No, I,
1: I that's what happened was um she got fired. And then the media, seemed, I think, pretty much fabricated a story that it was because the team wanted to make Marcus Ericsson the, the the lead one driver, and she said no. I genuinely think that she got fired because I don't think she's been doing a very good job over the last few years. But um, I think that's a bit of a shame because um, she wasn't doing a terrible job. But you kind of just got to go, new team owners have bought the team, they want to see improvement. They've kind of stuck with her for a bit and then gone, I don't really like, you know, I don't see it with you. See you later. Although, uh, I think, was it, um, is it uh, Fred Vassar, the old Renault guy, was in the frame for it? Although I don't think he's he's actually going to get it. And I'm not sure who the, the new team principal is going to be. I,
2: I I don't have any sympathy for
1: Manisha Kaltenberg. no she kind of she burnt all of her bridges with the four drivers two seats thing didn't she and uh, that kind of colored the card forever
2: i think she's been consistently bad at her job for a while and talks nothing but rubbish whenever i've heard from her so ah yeah i'm not um
1: i'm uh, only sad because obviously as a female team principal that was a good role model for the you know for the thing i like i F one needs women in highly visible, high ranking, positive roles, and I think every time that there is a woman who does that, it makes F one that bit more accessible and keeps it more accessible. So it's a shame from that point of view, but that's not a reason to keep her either. Yeah, so... I'm, I'm,
2: I'm quite. Yeah, you know, I think, I think she was doing a bad job. So at the end of the day, I think she's. I don't have any complaints with no. whoever Owns the team, getting rid of her.
1: Done and done. She talks uh, so much crap quite often.
2: So you know. the last
1: <laughs> finisher was Roman Gragian, who ended up a lap down. Uh, he, ended a a bit, bit. he had a really up and down race, didn't he? He seemed to be going well at times, and then he'd have something that meant that he dropped right down to the back.
2: And then, trouble, sort of, I think,
1: and then he'd sort of come up, and then he'd drop back down. Was it just? Do you think it's that was just break trouble? Did he have engine? Trouble I
2: didn't see an way? awful lot of his race because there was that much going on, but I definitely had more brake trouble on the radio for him. So. Just uh, seems to be the never-ending problem well, uh, in, that, yeah. in that
1: car. Can't stop his car. Um, so Kimmy yeah. Kimmy technically gets classified, by the way, because he completes ninety percent of the race. Just about um, forty-five.
2: Kimmy's uh, second trou- bit of trouble. So he has his problem with bottas in the first lap. Uh, gets a puncture on the debris later on in the race so and the, back the back absolute car, then... the absolute state of the back of that Ferrari was amazing. I love that Kimmy's probably been told to creep he's you know creep back around to the pit so they can replace the puncture and in the end he's just floored it it absolutely ripped the end off of the car because you know Kimmy does what he wants. Um I found it I should find it disappointing because I'm a Ferrari fan, but I just found it comical more than anything. <laughs>
1: um and obviously he got penalized for um doing the yeah. work in a pit lane it's some weird archaic thing wasn't it that because the work was done in the garage under a red flag yeah that's not because allowed. they were
2: already in the garage yeah because they'd yeah. retired from the race that's exactly so, my kind
1: of point it was like, just like he didn't come in a... and then go into the garage he was in the garage you know yeah it
2: felt a bit a bit of bureaucracy gone mad there um same same for, same uh, for perez, perez yeah
1: just like do you know what i mean teams have worked amazingly well to get both of these cars out again and now we're penalizing them for 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 trying
2: yeah exactly they should be penalized for trying to get the car on the road and you've got two guys who have retired come in and they've started fixing up the car before the red flag yeah so the the race has been red flagged and they happen to be in the pit lane doing work <laughs> like that's how <laughs> is that their fault like yeah. you know what i'm saying they're already doing the work and then the red flag comes out and then they've gone oh you're doing work at the red flag and it's like well i was already kind of doing the work so if have had you've red flagged while i'm doing the work so it's your fault not my fault <laughs> you know it's it was it's a stupid one but the both guys' races were essentially over anyway so
1: yeah uh, Massa retires with a suspension failure. That was a bit sad, wasn't he, when he was up in third. Yep,
2: and for a good result. Yeah, would have been a uh, good result. The one Hülkenberg that I think it, he can be disappointed.
1: Removes, yeah. Holkenberg removing his own wheel was just so needless. Yeah. And he'd he, not had a good race particularly, but had found himself up at a, you know in a position to score some decent points.
2: Yeah. But I think he would have been comfortably in and around the Ocon. Yeah. So he's probably lost out on, you know, ten World Championship points there. Uh, and uh, yeah, just, just sloppy. Just, just sloppy. He's, he's better. He's better than that. Um, and Julian Palmer, as teammates, probably <laughs> breathing a sigh of relief that he didn't get another, <laughs> another points finish. Uh,
1: and then of course there's there's Max and Kvyat, who we've um we've we've both covered. Um, what a crazy race, mental race. Mad, I, mental. however, loved it. However, loved every
2: minute of it. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: let's you know. Let, let me be clear. I really, really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. I wouldn't want to see that every week though. Uh, no, was, well, no. Can uh, you imagine if every know, week, right. like sure. a, a third of the field crashed? There were thirteen safety cars, a red flag, penalties. It just it stops being racing then. Like there needs to be like that in between bit. That it needs to be like a bit like this race every race in that people should crash or have to retire and it changes the order and things happen so that it's not processional but it should also be like the bits of overtaking this race were, were great as well but they happened after the safety car and not any other time so it's kind of like you know we still need to sort that that aspect of it out and i you know somebody said oh we need more street circuits i'm just like no no,
0: no we definitely formula don't.
1: one is, is does not formula one is not formula e formula e works on street circuits short races on street circuits um with flat out racing in those kind of cars is is fine and, and works fine um because the cars are so similar uh if you do street circuits um everywhere they will all end up being like monaco it will, it will all be yeah. about being unable to pass unless you build something like an Albert Park where it's not really a street circuit; it's just a circuit that has very close walls, or Canada, which you is know what
2: I mean? I, I, which is what I like. I love Albert Parking. I hate Singapore. So um, more of more of the latter, yeah, sorry, more of the former, not the latter. I, I, anything that comes on the on the circuit on the calendar that's kind of like Singapore, uh, which to me is just like a bad. Monaco. I
1: yeah, I mean, you think, uh, if you think what, what is, what is New York and Las Vegas gonna be like? Yeah, I'm not dead flat, 90 degree curves. You know, 90 degree turns, 90 percent of the time until unless they find like, what was it the one they used to do? You know, so they used to go around a fountain or something like that. It must have been like the only curve in the whole of Las Vegas that they could find to send the the cars around. Do you know what I mean? Racing around grids, like I just, you know, no, I agree. Just forget not... about it and just go home. At least with you know, if you did a London Grand Prix, at least you know the roads aren't all just straight. You know, you you can find places where there's nice long straights, but mm-hmm. there's so many small little curvy roads in and around everything. You'd know it'd be like a proper street circuit.
2: You could probably do a decent uh, a decent street circuit around Edinburgh, to be fair. Yeah, around the old town and stuff where it's Manchester
1: bit... would be quite interesting because Manchester's got quite a lot of elevation changes in it. Do you know what I mean? There's quite a few. So Edinburgh definitely, definitely does. Well, yeah, that's that's <laughs> definitely true
2: up and downhill all day here so yeah I, I in general like i don't i don't particularly want to see street circuits I'd, I'd i'd get rid of singapore tomorrow if i was in charge of the calendar um i want to see tracks and you know we're taking steps in the right direction i want to see france back on a calendar which we have got uh i want to see these uh old these older historic classic race tracks well, prioritized so
1: <laughs> i'm gonna really um poo in your porridge then uh did you What's hear that, that uh, Silverstone are looking to exercise yes. a break in their contract?
2: I did read that briefly today, but I haven't had a proper chance to read the story. So, so you basically, can break they, it to me then.
1: They, they have until the start of the actual race this year to say whether they'll exercise a break clause in their contract because under Bernie Eccleston's genius stewardship, um, the price of the race goes up and up every year like regardless of whatever else is going on, like who, who signs that contract in the first place? Uh, Like, you know, it's just such typical Bernie crappiness, you know, nothing to do with the good of the sport and the good of keeping good tracks on the calendar, special tracks on the calendar. It's all about what's my bottom line. So they have a chance that they could exercise the break clause and then go and speak to Liberty and say, Hey, can we immediately
2: negotiate a deal do a new thing? deal
1: that's not so prohibitively expensive? And Liberty have said that they really want a British Grand Prix, although they didn't specify that it had to be Silverstone. But Silverstone's the only grand is the only track in Britain that's um, capable of holding an F one race. So
2: unless they do a London Street Circuit,
1: <laughs> well, yes, but they they're nowhere near being able to agree that. Like the Formula E race took place in a park, wasn't it? In like St. James's, St James's Park or Battersea Park or something like that. So it wasn't really a road race, which mm-hmm. is kind of how they got around it because they didn't have to shut down any, you know, they didn't kind of have to shut down the centre of London to do it. Um, I think they're that... a million miles away from a London race. From what it's a worth, I would,
2: hate, I would hate the idea of losing Silverstone for a London Grand Prix. That would, uh, yeah, that, would, that wouldn't that would sit well with me. So hopefully something gets resolved here Um every so often these kind of stories come up and, and uh, you know, it, it's in the right, it's in the interest of pretty much every party to come up with a solution. You know, I think if Silverstone can get the right deal, they will of course want to continue as an F1 track. If Liberty can get the right deal, they will of course want to keep a track like Silverstone on this calendar. So I think in general, all parties are kind of pulling for the same thing. So yeah. I, w- I would be hopeful. That a deal would get done so i'm not panicking just yet but uh we'll wait and see and um, yeah it's i just i'm just reading the article man bernie eccleston god damn it
1: yeah <laughs> yeah all the concrete concord agreements that they're tied into to 2020 which means like nothing can be renegotiated or changed do you know what i mean um you know formula one could be completely revolutionized and radical <laughs> radicalized that's probably not the best turn of phrase to uh, use it but you know we can make radical sweeping changes if there wasn't the bernie eccleston lingering smell of old person <laughs> hanging out the there's room. an
2: article on planet f1 from bernie liberty will do a better job than me
1: well yep. it's the first thing he said for <laughs> 600 years that he's been alive i agree with
2: yep and uh, just looking around, some other bits in news. Then, uh, what have we got? A few Julian Palmer articles about not being worried. <laughs> uh, it can't get any worse than Baku, <laughs> says Palmer. It's starting well, to be a bit like parody, a little bit. Like, yes. <laughs> um, oh, Ron Dennis has officially oh, left McLaren. No,
1: no, that was vaguely interesting, although uh, I think at the end of the day you've got to look at it and say how old is Ron these days you know what can he do with 250 million pounds in his pocket with his charitable stuff and do you know what I mean he probably doesn't need it and i don't you know i don't think it's it's benefiting mclaren f1 to kind of have him still around although mm-hmm. not involved and i think the road car stage has probably outgrown him being like a Kind of brand ambassador, do you know what I mean? I yeah, think I think that's days, fair. McLaren is so established as that as a hypercar so, manufacturer.
2: Yep, definitely, I would agree with that. the The last you the last few
1: you see so many celebrities driving P ones these days. Energy. Yeah, the,
2: the the last couple of P MP...
1: ones right. <laughs> are, are,
2: are serious bits of kit, like so.
1: You know, it's yeah. not. You know, you see the you see the serious kind of car head celebrities are all. It, driving mclarens now and then the, the lambos are slightly less in the things you know the ferraris are obviously still going to be there and stuff but again do you know what i mean just to see that mclaren has got itself as that super luxury brand thing just kind of yeah they, they've done like, well
2: to from a branding point of view from that you know
1: you know and they probably have to thank Ra- ron uh, an awful lot for that but you know uh he's well he's not gonna be alive forever anyway so it's not like you know what i mean it's at some point they'd have had to replace him and i think it's probably easier for everybody isn't it if they they do it now he gets a nice big payoff that he can do stuff with in his um uh, yeah know, i mean sort of he's worth, he's,
2: or... he's got another i thought it's around 70 something like that so he's got oh, isn't he? so... he's got 20 years hopefully touching all all's well with his health to go and play with £275 million on a boat somewhere. So It's not bad, is it, really? You can think of worse ways it? to spend his retirement.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see yeah. him still... I'd like, it'd be nice
2: to see him kicking about the grid now and again.
1: Well, I'm know. sure he probably will, wouldn't I, I suspect, like... I'd like, like to see... xf one people that, if he just said, hey, Liberty, do you mind if I turn up at, you know, turn up at the Grand Prix? Or he probably gets given, like, a lot of these people, I think, get given, like, a, a VIP pass that just means... Turn up whenever you want, yeah, like Flavio or somebody like that. They don't have to be invited by the teams or anything like that, they just they're just allowed in, and all the ex drivers probably just get to you know, Brundle probably doesn't have to apply for a pass every single time he goes. I guess you know, it'd be nice
2: to see Ron on the grid with uh, Martin. Give Giff- are we uh, who'd you fancy for today, Ron? Then and see what he,
1: <laughs> he doesn't have enough time on the grid. walk for a Ron Dennis <laughs> answer though, it'd take you five minutes to. That-
2: Elsewhere to
1: speak at him, and then he'd be like, Oh, well, that's the end of the grid today. Thanks, thanks, <laughs>
2: elsewhere. We've got um Flavio briatore teasing my aching heart with don't exclude Ferrari for Alonso, like that. <laughs>
1: Flavio Briatori knows exactly what he's doing. If he yeah, if Flavio Briatori says something publicly like that, <laughs> then I think you've just got to look at it and go. It's probably he's the up, opposite of what he's he up to something. Yeah, he's very <laughs> it's, much up it's to It's very something. good marketing, isn't it? If he says, you know.
2: Yeah, not much else I can see on the old news, uh the news ticker here. So what have we got next, Austria.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it actually. It's an interesting track because it's such a sort of short one, but it's got elevation changes and, and yeah, I like sections. it. I like it. Um I'm I'm interested to see what the ferrari and the mercedes are like when they get there um cooler track as well generally so it'd be very
2: interesting to see what car in quality kind of has the better pace i'm not you know quite often i can think oh that'll probably be a mercedes track, that'll probably be a track. i'm not quite sure which way this no. one will go
1: and it's been a bit like that every year it's a bit of a hungry and not kind of it's not very obvious which cars it's going to suit before they sort of turn up um,
2: yep, it should be good I'm looking forward to it
1: Yeah, absolutely, me too Go ahead
2: No, I think that's probably about Oh it. good,
1: that's what <laughs> I was going to say I think that was probably about everything I think mean, that does take us nicely to the end of the podcast So I will thank everybody for tuning in and listening to what's probably going to be a very long podcast <laughs> uh, judging by the time that we started and the time looking at the time that we're about to finish So uh, very well done for sticking with us all the way through um just as a reminder if you're listening to this as your first time um or you're a long-term listener who wants to know where else we can you can grab episodes of the podcast our website is www.lastlappodcast.co.uk we always publish our episodes there first uh, and they're available to stream and download we are yeah you, know, you can subscribe to the podcast through itunes uh in the obvious and normal manner but you can also download and subscribe the podcast through tune in uh or Stitcher, uh, which both work on Android devices. So it doesn't matter uh, device independent. You can download us on the move. Um, we have a Facebook page. Uh, I say this every single time. I don't know what the last thing I posted on there was. Um, probably a meme uh, about three <laughs> months ago, but you know, it exists. So you can like, like us on Facebook and we'll try and be a bit more interactive on there. Uh, but the best way to interact with the podcast is and has always been pretty much through Twitter. Um, we love speaking to you guys on Twitter. Uh, we try and interact and reply with absolutely everybody uh, regardless of whether you're agreeing with us disagreeing with us Um, you know we love to have discussions we've got a load of lovely people who follow us and reply um, so you can get involved and chat to them about Formula 1 as well Uh, so you find us on Twitter at Last Lap Podcast Uh, you can find us personally I am at man called Megs with a Z
2: I'm at Firebolt Willow Uh,
1: and that is the end of the podcast Thank you very much for listening, guys, and we'll see you after Austria. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.